This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me tonight are Richard Hawes. Hello, everybody. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. This week, we're going to kick off with the Korean action drama Escape from Mogadishu. Then we have The Fourth Musketeer and Dragon Knight. Our short shot this week is Don't Hide. And we're going to round off with our DTV throwback, Absolute Force. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first review then is Escape from Mogadishu. As Somalia starts to veer into civil war, the diplomats within both the North and South Korean embassies must find a way of trusting each other and try to get their people out of Mogadishu in one piece. Um, I, I first became aware of this film towards the end of last year when it started to pop up in a lot of um, people's action top tens uh, from the States. Basically, obviously, they're spoiled over there, the bastards. Uh, getting to see a lot of these films way before we do. Um, but it's sort of piqued my interest and I've been keeping my eye out ever since. So I'm glad it's getting a proper release over here. Um, this is a stunning drama. I'm going to keep my comments to myself for the moment and hand over to Steve. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I thought the first 20 minutes were a little bit slow and then basically just all, all hell breaks loose and it's, it's fantastic it really is good the action is so authentic especially like the riot scenes and stuff you just it's it's like a documentary at parts you know when mm. you've got all the little kids and running around with the ak-47s and stuff like that and there's one particular bit where they're in a convoy and yeah you know the camera's moving straight from car to car through bullet holes in the in the windows and stuff like that, and it, it's breathtaking. But also as well, the the tensions between the North and South Korean people as well is really really well done, really well written. Uh, you know, you've got like the two elder statesmen and the two cocky younger cocky blokes. You know, mm. trying to can build trust but they don't trust each other and then you know it builds as the film goes on and it's quite a sad indictment in to you know the troubles in in korea basically um but yeah i, I thought this was absolutely cracking this is one of the best films i've seen this year it's it's interesting as well isn't it the um the film doesn't it doesn't really pick sides between the two no um because you know it starts off following the South Korean you know, um, diplomats, and then it switches over to to the North Koreans, and and then it sort of makes the the South Koreans look like the assholes for a little mm. bit. You know, they, they're ones being being really petty and, and just like gets, and you're kind of just screaming at them like, for God's sake, let them in. You know? <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, this this is great, and and it's 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 kind of a timely release as well, considering what's happening elsewhere in the world at the moment um you know you, you can certainly see parallels between this you know the, the, um, people trying to escape from sort of various cities in, in, in ukraine um 
but yeah, th this is absolutely superb. Uh, Rich, your initial thoughts? Yeah, uh, I, I concur uh, with your views. Uh, yeah, it's very, very well made. Uh, it was reminded, to be honest, it re reminded me a lot of Argo, mm -hmm. um, but obviously without the, you know, the window dressing stuff of the whole, of the of the main plot of Argo. But the whole, you know, the the diplomats under siege, trying to escape from Iran, which was at the heart of that story, and, and culminating in this uh, sort of breakneck race uh, to to get to the airport at the end. This kind of does the the same kind of thing, but it's uh, I, I quite like the that culminate that the combination that big big action scene at the end. I thought it was very well executed. The mm -hmm. uh, they they do this thing of like trying to make their cars bulletproof, which is quite novel. Um, the, the the scene is a bit silly because there's like ridiculous amounts of gunfire and one person gets injured. You know, one or, or you know perhaps you know uh, a little bit more mm -hmm. serious than that but that, that's pretty much all that happens which i think <laughs> considering what they were up against uh, and you know uh, the, the, the cars would have you know i mean the windows were being broken and everything so so the, there, there should have been a bit more injury um but that's a minor quibble uh the yeah the, the heart of the story is really the tensions between north and south a lot of korean movies are, are about the the the, the separation and the desire for reunification, uh, the differences and, and the similarities and trying to meet on common ground and whatever, the, whether, you know, there was um, a joint security area was one and there, there's quite a few others. Mm. There's like science fiction films have explored it all as well. So this is, you know, and then obviously now that's not the only country with such divides, you know, Ireland's gone through the, the you know, island and Northern Ireland and all that sort of thing. But I think the Koreans in particular, explore this quite a lot hmm. in the sort of realm of action and you know stuff as well as i mean you got this is mainly drama you know you could look at it as like a variation on a zombie movie to an extent i mean zombie movies themselves are allegorical for situations like this um and they've got all the threat you know the threats outside and they've, they've they're in, in there trying to survive but it's the it's it's the mistrust and the you know, between the characters who are thrown together, um, mm. that becomes the heart of the story more than the, you know. Should we fear the fear what's outside, or should we fear who's in our house or whatever mm. at this particular time? Uh, and that's kind of what they're doing. And you know, and I think yeah, I think it all works out really well. Yeah, um, I, I was quite moved by the ending of this. Actually, you know, um, the film's sort of epilogue, mm. which is sort of like. Um, you know, it's it, it's incredibly stoic, but at the same time, really sort of emotional at the same time. When yeah. when they when they you know when when the plane lands and so what they got to do to to make sure everything everyone remains safe. It's um, yeah, I, I just found that really, you know, it, it just sort of showed that sort of the um, camaraderie had had been genuine, you know, sort of throughout. So um, yeah. I thought that was absolutely superb. This is from the director of City of Violence, I believe. It is. Now, City Which of is... Violence is... is I, I love that film. Mm. And it's the film that actually started me off as, as a, you know, writing reviews. Right. Because uh, I think it was either Total Film or Empire back in the day had given, like, you know, in their sort of DVD section at the back of the magazine... 
had given it about an inch worth of write-up and it basically said something along the lines of, oh, this, this is another chop socky film from Korea. And it, it so incensed me that I, I actually wrote my own review and that sort of kicked me off. But ever since then, um, you know, there's other films on this list, The Berlin File, yeah, I really 2013. That. That, that's a very good film as well. Um, Interestingly, sure. Ted Ted Gagan, who did um, Mohawk and We Are mm. Still Here, yeah, uh, wrote the wrote some of the script for that movie. Which one? Um, Berlin, Berlin File. File. Oh, yeah, apparently awesome. it says English dialogues on IMDb. It says the yeah. English English dialogue was written by him. That's genius. As an interesting aside there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Battleship Island is one I'm interested in seeing. It's um, sort of set on, on a, like a prison island. Um, I haven't had a chance to see that. And one of the first yeah, think, films he did was Araham as well, which yeah, I've, I think I've, I saw I've got a copy of um, back in the day. So, so yeah, he's, he's um, you know, it's definitely worth checking out some of his... And Crying Fist was very good as well. Mm, yeah. Yeah, but, the, but this is... Um, yeah, you know, as you said, it, it's more of a drama. It, it, there's something about Korean cinema, you know, they they really do get to the emotional heart of situations. Um, I, I probably find myself, you know, sort of like more emotionally moved by by you know either the cinema or the sort of TV than than a lot of other stuff. And um, this is no exception. Any other thoughts on this one? Um. Not really. I mean, I've just been reading it and it is based on a true story, you know, mm. so whether, I don't know what artistic license they've taken with it or anything like that, but yeah, I was I was really blown away by it. Really was. Yeah, it, it, it is very good indeed. Um, anyway, scores on the doors. Steve? Uh, I'm going to nine. Awesome. Uh, Rich? I'm going to go a... Uh, yeah, I'll give it an eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give it an eight as well. This is <laughs> which basically makes this one of the best films we've seen this year for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Two eights and a nine for Escape from Mogadishu. Please check it out. Our next review is The Fourth Musketeer. D'Artagnan, now captain of the King's Musketeers, finds himself challenged to a duel by a young upstart looking to prove himself. Instead, D'Artagnan regales the young man with the truth behind his joining the revered regiment of the Musketeers. Uh, Remind me who this is directed by, Rich? Steve Lawson. Steve Lawson, who did uh, Ripper Untold. Yes. And more recently, the Jekyll and Hyde movie we covered at the beginning of the year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and, and this is very much in keeping with those films in that um, he's taken a segment of the story of the Musketeers and concentrated on that, you know, for budget constraints and all the rest of it. Um, you know, th- this is, in, 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 you know, if you're reading the book or, or watching the films, this will be the first 20 minutes. Of, of, of any of the other sort of like um, Musketeer movies. And they, he sort of turned it into um, a pretty decent sort of drama, I think, overall. Uh, it's certainly a departure from his, um, his other films. Uh, this probably has a bit more of a budget, better costumes, a uh, few locations. 
Um, Steve, how did you get on with uh, the fourth Musketeer? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed this actually. Um, a lot more than Jekyll and Hyde. I think it's, like you said, there's definitely a bit more budget in there because it's not based in two rooms and a corner of the street, basically. And also, I, I did like the, um, the the drawn transitions between mm-hmm. places and stuff like that. And I just thought it was just a bit more rounded. So, I mean, some of the performances were a little bit ropey. Um but I really, really like that um, Jonathan Hansler, who plays the old D'Artagnan. I thought he's... I really like him, actually. He's just got that decent presence about him. Um, even in, you know, Jack the Ripper and stuff like that. I, I, I just think he's really good. Um, the script was okay. Um, but like I said, I do... It's, it's basically the first half hour of every other Musketeer movie, basically. You know, um, stretched out over an hour and a half. But of the three, I think it's three Steve Lawson films I've seen, this is probably my second favourite after Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's enjoyable. Just don't go expecting too much action. Mm-hmm. It has its own sort of twist uh, to it, Rich. I mean, um, it plays about with a couple of the characters, which I thought was quite good. Um, mm. how, how did you feel about it overall? Well, I I like the, the formula that Steve Lawson has established with these this recent series uh, of films, so em- more emphasising on the horror previously um, with Van Helsing, which I didn't see, and the aforementioned... Um, Jack the Ripper and um, what was the other one? Sorry, Jack Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, sorry. Um, which I did really enjoy. I, I like those a lot. And Jonathan Hansler in uh, was he in both of them or was he in just um, one of them? I'm not sure. If he was in Jekyll and Hyde. Don't know quite a lot. I don't know. I know he was in he was in Ripper, wasn't he? I really like. Yeah, him. I did like him, and I, do, I like yourself. I, I I do think he's really good. He's very. He's a he great wasn't person. in Jekyll no, sorry, no. So he wasn't he was great in, in no. The um, but yeah, I really liked him in Ripper. He's he's got a great presence. He's probably the best performer, you know, in the movie for me. Mm. He's the one I quite like watching. But it, although I do like the formula that he's established, I think it worked better for the horror stuff. Although you know, they were both kind of plays basically. Uh, both the Ripper and Jekyll. This one, it, it, this one is the same. It's very conversational. Not a lot of action. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of action, but not very good. And really, it's it is shot in the same way. You know, there's there's like a very close up kind of establishing shot of a location. In this case, like the, like one of the locations, like there's like a lion outside, so they just keep cutting to the lion every time they're going to go to that location. And um, you know, very few. Uh, extras or anything it's I think that worked best that worked okay for the sort of investigative stories like that he'd done previously but because this one is kind of setting up a an adventure story almost but it's 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 like an origin story you know but we don't really get to the we we don't really get to the meat and and potatoes you know kind of thing it's Mm. like um Mm. That some stuff is set up, but it doesn't really 
go anywhere. The film kind of peters out. There's not really any climax, so or any you know de fully develops or whether the idea is to then make another one, which takes the next step. But yeah, for for me, I just it, I I found it quite difficult to engage with, and I wasn't a fan of a few of the performers. Um, there was one or one or two. I think like the main there was one of the musketeers that I, I you know sort of really carried himself well I quite liked him but the, the others not not so much um and I didn't really like young D'Artagnan a huge amount to be honest but uh I th the what's the other thing oh so here's an interesting case where it's got this grand score but it's not been it's not a score that's been composed for the film it's you know like library music that's mm. been uh, hired or whatever which is quite which you don't come across very often uh, I, I, I know it is I think it is increasingly you know more common and you probably do it's probably in more places than we realize but you watching the end credits you know it, there's tons of you know they're, they're very clear about you know the the sort of generic names of the of the pieces of music and stuff that they were using, but I thought it worked. That all worked really well. Added some production value, definitely. Mm. Um, and I thought it, it. If you're a if you're a fan of of the, you know, Musketeers kind of stuff, but you you you're more inclined towards, you know, Man in the Iron Mask level, or or you know, or or Kiefer Sutherland and Charlie Sheen, or or whatever from you know the Disney movie. Um, you're gonna, you're a million miles from that, as you know, and a million miles from Michael York and, and whoever. But it, it's definitely an interesting or different kind of take on the material. Is probably the best I can say. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, you know, the actual novel and uh, seeing just about every version of the Musketeers um, going. So, so this, you know, this, I thought. Have you seen the Musketeer? Yeah, of the course. One where they put all the one with all the yeah, uh, the wire the, work the, the, sort of, the Choi Hark style one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, of course. Cool. But um the, even the Mila Jovovich one and all that, which was a lot of fun, <laughs> you know, totally ridiculous but a lot of fun. Um but I I liked what they did here. You know, obviously, you know, they can't sort of use the whole book, it would be too too expensive for them. Um so so just concentrating on this sort of origin story part. Which is kind of rushed by just about every other um, sort of film. You know, it's an important part of the story. You know, the, the fact that he sort of ends up sort of challenging each of them to a duel. They, they kind of make it this one that they, he challenges them all at the same time, and then has to sort of work out who's going to be fighting who at what time. But I, I like the you know the setup of um, Milady. I thought that was done really well because it. You're kind of wrong-footed as to as to which character she actually is, and, and until you know it's too late, kind of thing. Um, no Cardinal Richelieu, no King, um, but we do get a bit of Rochefort, and I thought he was actually quite good. Yeah, I liked it. Um, for his set, you know, his location, his set looked really cheap. Mm. I was like, they were like a little table yeah. with like a, a picture on the wall, unfortunately. But I thought he, yeah, I did like him. I thought he was quite. In, he was pretty engaging. Uh, Chris, uh, no, not Chris Lyons. Uh, can't remember what. Um, I'm trying to find him on the cast list. I can't oh, I Sean Cronin. Sean Cronin. Yeah, I thought their pronunciation of um, 
the captain's name because I always pronounced it as Captain Treville when, I, when I'm reading it, but they pronounce it Captain Trevillier or something. Or so. No, yeah, Trevillier, yeah. Yeah, Trevillier. Tre- oh, Trevillier, yeah. 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 So, no, it's just <clears throat> it's, But anyway, maybe that's just me. I'm not. I'm well known for, for mispronouncing things, so there you go. Um, but yeah, this is... Um, Reasonably jolly. I, I I agree with you guys. I think um, Ripper Untold is the um, the better version of, of what he's done recently. But uh, uh, I think this is pretty solid. You know, nothing to be ashamed of here at all. So on that note, scores on the doors, uh, Steve. Um, I think I'll give it a six. Mm-hmm. I'll join you on a six, and Rich. I'll give it a five because I thought it was. Quite amusing that they put a taxi driver reference in there. Did they? Oh yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, <laughs> and a crocodile yeah. Dundee reference, but mainly mm. a mainly a taxi driver. <laughs> taxi driver. Yeah. Are you talking to me, sir? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Okay. So two sixes and a five for the fourth musketeer. Go check it out. Our next review is Dragon Knight. When a malevolent force takes hold of the kingdom of Agonos, a lone knight must embark on a perilous quest to find the last dragon and save the world from this great and growing evil. Um, It's interesting. About, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, there was a film that came out called Dragon Hunters. And I actually wrote a review of it, and basically I said, this is a really good film, apart from the fact it's got no dragon in it, apart from for like five seconds worth. Um, this does actually improve on that. Um, I don't think it's as good a film, um, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, this is directed by Laurie Metcalf, I believe. Am I getting that No, right? Laurie Brewster. It's Laurie... Brewster. Laurie Metcalf is the actress on Roseanne. She's an actress on Roseanne. <laughs> So this is directed by Laurie Brewster, I believe, guys. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who also directed the um, what's that film called we watched recently? The Devil's Engine. The Devil's Machine. Devil's Devil Machine. Machine. Yes, which was very good. Um, I think he also stars in this, isn't he? He's got a small role at the beginning. All oh, right. Mm. Okay. Um, but yeah, this was uh, relatively enjoyable. I must admit. Um, Steve, what are your thoughts on this one? No, didn't get on with this at all. Um, it reminded me of what was it, Werewolf Castle, was it? Yeah. Where it's basically just people meet up when they pub and walk, walk through the woods. Uh, but I enjoyed that a hell of a lot more. The, the, the tone of the film was all over the place. You've got this supposedly comedy squire who's just terrible. I, I couldn't get on with him at all. But then you've got like the seriousness of the... Are they called the faceless or something? You know, the... the oh, yeah. Baddies, Once we in the you know. guy Fawkes mask. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> they're looking after him. But it's swinging from like a comedy minute to like a serious minute in the same scene. And then the, the main guy, the... The Dragon Knight, Jesus Christ! It's like he's trying to be Christian Bale as Batman all the way through. He, he can't speak a word. He's got to growl it and mm. shout it, and it was just annoying. 
I thought the dragon effects were actually quite good. Um, yep. The battle effects were pretty good. But apart from that, not for me at all. Mm-hmm. Really. I found it really, really annoying. I do agree with you with the sort of Dragon Knight's performance. The, uh, you know, a bit of nuance would have helped. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just all the way through, uh, it's just and that's it. And there's no, it's just it, one yeah, note. It, was, it was, this is Sparta all the way through, isn't it? He's just sort yeah. of spitting his lines out. Um, yeah. I didn't mind the other guy, whatever his name was. Um, Edwin. Edwin. Played by Reagan Walker. Uh-huh. I thought, you know, but again, his performance sort of veers from, I don't know, sort you know, cowardly lion to to comedy sidekick kind of thing. You know, it's all over the place. And again, it's, um, yeah, there's no nuance to to anything. The the only one who manages it is... is, um, Megan Tremethick, mm-hmm. who, who plays yeah. Jigme, I, I thought Jigme. she she did really well in in that particular role, um, and and I like the bad guys in it. You know, I thought they were quite imposing with their masks and everything. I mean, it's basically the um, you know the guy Fawkes the guy Fawkes mask from um, mm. uh, V for Vendetta, but sort of spray painted black, uh, but it works. You know, it, it does look quite imposing as part of their armor. I thought that that worked really well. So yeah, I I didn't mind this too much. It is certainly flawed, but for this sort of film, I thought it, it gets away with a lot. Uh, Rich, over to you. What do you think? I'm not normally a fan of this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we've, we've covered Arthur and Merlin, and mm, didn't like that one. Yeah. Uh, what was there was another one in this sort of vein. Hmm. Uh, which, uh, the name one was Pythian It was in it. Um, oh, Knights of the Damned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, th- those are the kind of films that I put lump this in with. You know, the kind of medieval, few CGI hmm. shots of a dragon walking through the woods kind of movie. The, um, but you know, seeing this basically following the Fourth Musketeer, I don't know what the budget difference was, but. It's you know, this seemed like epic in comparison because <laughs> there were some really good, engaging, um, you know, sword fighting scenes. I thought in this, you know, there's, yeah. there's quite a, there's quite a few action yeah. scenes, uh, including at the end a really quite long battle scene. You know, which they're trying yeah. to pull off with pretty much no money, but you know, it, it, they, I think some of the visual effects work quite well. Um, I think the it's it's shot quite well in post you know the sheens and whatever they've put on it in post production look really strong. Um, all this all the sort of walking around the woods stuff is fine, but you, um, one of the things that sometimes lets these films down is the costumes. And I thought the you know costumes and makeup and everything was all really good for the whole film. Make 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 sorry make Megan uh, Tremethick. Uh, being a particular standout um, in in the cast, uh, as you guys have said, the yeah, the Dragon Knight himself <laughs> and his and his growly voice is a problem. Uh, Ryan Livingston is just sort of just take he's just you know growly brooding grump you know sort of 
way too much you know it's just mm. it's it's too heavy-handed yeah. uh and what is essentially a scorpion king like romp you know um it, it's, it's just they just sort of it just sort of it doesn't you can't you don't get with it because you don't warm to his character he's just too too grumpy and stuff and and too, too um, so yeah he's not great i, I if yeah. i think jigme's character maybe could have if they focus more on her could have been a bit more interesting because she's kind of like got that kind of black widow sort of thing yeah she had the best sort of, yeah. sort of story arc didn't she yeah yeah um and i didn't really like the uh, sorry to say you know the edwin the, the sort of wimpy sidekick character yeah i wasn't really a fan of and the sort of twiddly diddly diddly d music that i kept mm -hmm. introducing whenever he it was like oh he's gonna do yeah. something a bit silly now yeah you know was a bit naive but apart, there was you know, one there's one really funny bit at the beginning when the dragon knight turns up at the the, the local tavern and in the background you can hear like someone playing like a penny whistle or you know some sort of flute yeah. And it's the usual thing, like he walks in and suddenly the music stops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you yeah. look around and go, Western thing. but nobody's actually playing any music. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll forgive him that, it. though, because it's a good yeah. gag. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's quite funny. But, but anyway. And I'll be honest, the um, I like the dragon. I thought, okay, yeah. the dragon doesn't get a chance to do much. And mm -hmm. when it does, it, when it's an action shot, it doesn't quite work. But mm. when it's kind of in the background and sort of hanging around and, you know, they've got it next to them or whatever, top, you know, really good. Really, really yeah, it's pretty well rendered. rendered. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, one, one of the best. I think it was by um, uh, the director's brother or, or you know, it's, it's like a family affair kind of thing. The um, the films are all made by this film and, and it's, it's their first. Hex Studios is the, is the, the company. They're a Scottish independent production company, which there's not many... Of those i don't think but he's kind of he's kind of doing for scotland what like andrew jones and mm. and uh, charlie steeds mm. have done for for england for um, england and wales yeah. yeah yeah england and wales and uh, the um I, I love their logo that comes up the sort of canon style logo sort of says <laughs> which uh, charlie charlie steeds's company's got something a bit like that as well you know this called retro kind of thing that they go for mm. which is good i like that um I did like the Devil's Machine better. I think maybe horror, which is kind of their main thing. I think maybe their horror is kind of better. They're better suited, but it's good to see them branching out, trying something yeah. different. The, this whole mm. dragon, whatever kind of title, mm -hmm. kind of you know Lord of the Ringsy kind of thing, is quite a common, you know, subgenre of you know oh, film yeah. that gets made yeah you know probably quite popular in the supermarkets and whatever and i think this is you know reservations aside i think it's got scale uh which you know doesn't isn't necessarily there at the beginning but you know you do get a sense of a broader story and you know sort of and i think the when the action was kicking in i was like, oh okay i was sort of sitting up taking notice a bit more than i was otherwise yeah because you know, I, I wasn't mm -hmm. engaging with it fully uh, for for quite a while but um yeah i and i did although this isn't the kind of movie that i like there was quite a lot i liked about it mm -hmm. there, was, there was one really effective sequence later in when um uh again that you know the squire sort of shows his worth rather, rather than you know he's a bit more sort of cerebral than, than the other guy and um 
you know, when they sort of fall into that trap, when when they sort of go to get the um, the dragon, and it's sort of manipulating their, you know, or feeding off their negative energy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was a really good scene. I really like that. But yeah, I like I like the scene mm. when they went to, you know, when they went to see the king, mm. and you know he and he wasn't being, you know, he wasn't very receptive to the, you know, to the to realizing how dangerous the threat that they were facing was and stuff. I think that's all that all worked, you know, that all played out quite well and um, good performance and nice, nice looking, you know, modest location. You know, they've clearly done a location shoot for yeah. that. And uh, yeah, all these little, little bits that added some, added the production value. I think that they do. I do. I'm very interested in what they're doing. And um, this, I will just point out that they've got quite an active YouTube channel. Which has got some of their shorts and 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 behind the scenes and interviews and stuff, and they're a publisher as well, so they've got like a book out. Um, so if you're interested in sort of particularly kind of retro horror and uh, and you know fiction that you know um, literature and mm. and uh, and feature films, that, that it's definitely worth sort of tumbling down the rabbit hole a little and see what else they do. Cool. All right then, scores on the doors, Steve. Um, I'm going to go four. Four. I'm going to go for a six on this one. And Rich? I will go for a six as well. Two sixes and a four then for Dragon Knight. Go check it out. Our short shot this week is Don't Hide. A young woman called Chloe finds herself trapped in a nightmare with a demon stalking her. But a form of help is at hand if she's willing to accept it. I really like this. Um, interesting setup, for sure. And then uh, we get a bit of a revelation as to what's kind of going on. Um, I, I thought this worked really well. Uh, Steve, what about you? Yeah, it was actually quite effective, though. There's a couple of decent jump scares in there as well. Um, it was. <clears throat> the only thing I think that kind of let it down was the alcohol. What's the word? The twist. Yeah, right at the end. I, that kind of oh, really? Is that it? Um, <clears throat> you know, but being trapped in the nightmare, uh, I thought was was really good, and it's just everything up to that that last second let it down a bit for me you know the alcoholic analogy it just didn't that didn't work for me but everything else i thought was actually pretty pretty damn good thought it was really well shot really well performed uh and for a shot it was actually quite scary because normally it's quite in and out but this had a little bit of a build-up to it as well if you know what i mean i i really enjoyed this one yeah, I think it worked. I mean, I, I did like that. I like that, you know, that sort of analogy or sort of metaphor that they were sort of mm. going for. Um, you know, it, it was, I thought it was very effective. So, yeah. Um, Rich? So did you take note of the director, Mike? I didn't, actually. Um, so the maker of, the guy who made this film made another short film that we covered, which I remember you being quite fond of, which was Somnophobia. Oh yeah. So this is the 
second yeah. a, a series of film. He's kind of exploring social issues in in sort of a, in a horror context mm. and uh, using nightmares and stuff. So the uh, we can I believe he's going there's going to be another one on the horizon. But yeah, this one sort of, uh, I really was I, I I watched this and I was thinking you know after Somnophobia and and, and this I was like this is like one of my like favorite short film directors i mean i think he's done some uh some other stuff as well. uh oh he did a film called uh social norm which i think was a feature but i haven't seen that i think that was a different kind of movie but um i really think he knows what he's doing with horror uh i think you know did, working with the limitations you know clearly of a, mm. of a low budget production uh it came off really well the, as you say there's there's great build up you know the performances are really good the sort of shots and jump scares and that are quite effective and you know there's a there's a twist in the tail and, and stuff and it's it, it's a great you know it, it covers a lot of ground in its 12 minutes and i think as it's a good film to to see i think what's interesting to also look at is the making of little video that that um the director dylan dylan vibart did which it, it sort of elaborates on how they shot it which was like for example it was all it was shot day for night mm. they they like literally mm. covered the they covered the house with blankets and stuff so that it would look like it actually was night rather than just trying to you know use filters or whatever so they 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 try they tried to make it look like that and i thought that was quite effective the guy who's playing the the monster in the movie is like 7 foot tall and that, i think that really came came across as well he's quite a big intimidating threat in the film um and he also, I don't know if, I didn't really pick up on it, but I suppose you can sort of read, you can kind of notice it. It's like a, um, they allude to sort of 12, 12 step program kind of mm, stuff. Yeah. And um, which is obviously a, something that churches run and, and he's saying that having uh, the, the film, one of the themes of the film is faith. And you know he's a he, he I believe he's a Christian, so it's kind of a Christian horror movie, but not yeah. not 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 like heavy-handed about it. It doesn't really. Yeah. It, it's certainly not like any Christian horror movie I've ever seen because it's it's actually leaning into the horror rather than sort of shine a shy away from it. Mm. So, but I, yeah, I think he's a really talented filmmaker, and uh, I'm you know we've we've been blessed with two really good f- films within like a year, I think, pretty much. So uh, I'm hoping it won't be too long till he's able to to get another one out. Hope you know, be, wouldn't it be great to to see, see another film by the end of the year? So. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Somnophobia. He just sort of jogged my memory. Um, yeah, that that had a great sort of twist to it as well. Um, really enjoyed that one. This this was great. I, I just I just really enjoyed this. Um, yeah, I, I like the the setup and then the um, you know the payoff at the end. It worked really well. And kudos on the poster because the film's got a great, great poster as well. If you have a look it up on mm-hmm. IMDb, that always helps. Okay, we do not score the shorts, but we certainly recommend you check them out. And please check out um, Dylan Vibart's uh, uh, YouTube page as well and see what else he's been up to. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Absolute Force. 
A nefarious organization called the Syndicate has its tentacles embedded in all levels of government. So a secret operative called Drake is sent in to gather evidence against them. Instead, he is betrayed by one of his own men and set up, forcing him to team up with some disavowed agents and stop the Syndicate's plans for domination. Um, I, no, I've got to throw it straight over to Steve. Yeah, okay, I thought you might. Okay, if anyone is planning on watching this, because it's available on YouTube, just make sure you've got premium. Uh, I started watching this link. Was it before you two? Yeah, you, you, you grabbed it first, so... Yeah. Adverts every single five minutes. Mm. 90-minute film, I think it took me about three hours to bloody watch this. It was an it took absolute a while. mare. Um, and I wouldn't mind if it was decent. I really didn't enjoy it as well. Um, I thought the acting was terrible. The editing was awful. Absolutely dreadful. I mean, you've got like the beginning where the, the break into like a, a compound or whatever it is supposed to be. And there's people supposedly firing and they're just diving off, off roofs without being hit out of 25 angles away. And there's one scene where the female character breaks into like a, is it a lawyer's office? About halfway through? Yeah, I think so. And she shoots everyone, and two people at the back go down and die. And then next thing, the next frame, they're back up again, dying again. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, oh, yeah, it was just cheap, tacky, and not good. Not good at all. I mean, I think Rich said it was a, a sequel. Mm. I, I presume you've seen the original. I, I don't know if that's any good, but it can't be much worse than this. Oh, really can't. Oh, you'd be, you'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'll let I'll let Mike have his uh, have his thoughts before. You're you're absolutely right in that. Oh, I mean, the editing for this is pretty awful. The well, there's a lot that's awful about it. Um, yeah. let's, let's let's face it. This is not a good um, a good outing for DTV action. Um, I, I you know if you want to see something decent. Shakedown with um, Erica Elaniak is the film that sort of jumped in my head when I was watching this. You know, so if you want sort of the antithesis, go go get go watch that. You know that that was genius compared to this piece of crap, um, yeah. and probably on the same sort of budget. You know, but but with with proper editing and, and proper direction. Um, yeah, this was all over the place. That opening sequence. Mm. What the hell was that? You know, yeah. where was it? When, when was that meant to be set? Was was that a flashback or sorry, a flash forward for what? Yeah, there was no context at all. Do you mean the it, bit on the? Do you mean the opening credits? Yeah, yeah, because there's that mm. bit with the bike rock, jumping. Yeah, and I thought, oh, is that going to be a bit that happens later? No, it doesn't. No, no it doesn't happen at all. What, I, I just did not understand what, where that came from, unless it may, maybe it was in the in the previous film and it was like uh previously in excessive force or whatever it's called um there there are some scenes which look like you know the 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 sets are so cheap looking it looks like it looks like an 80s porn movie 
at times. You know, um, it it does look bad. There's, it, I mean, action movies have moved on. Even DTV action movies have moved on a lot. You know, um, so actors get proper training how to hold weapons. You know, they got sort of people on hand to sort of do these things, have decent sound effects. Even the muzzle fire was ridiculous. You know, so like a thousand shots go off and you see the muzzle fire. Right. Muzzle what are you saying fire. that? You know, the bit got me, that got me as well mm. is where they frame him for shooting his mate. Oh, yeah. yeah? And his yeah. mate, who supposedly shoots from point blank range. Yeah. With, with a submachine gun, yeah, yeah. empties yes. a whole clip from a submachine gun. He yeah. gets hit three times. Three times. I'm like, come on. Who the hell is going to take that seriously? Oh, the FBI. Yeah, right, of course. They yeah. Do. <laughs> I just, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, some of the action was just terrible. Um, just, just really badly filmed, and the editing. You know, the the, the choice they took for for some of the the shots. The mm. angles and the you know things were too close; you couldn't even see what the hell they're doing. It was yeah. pretty awful. I, I will give it one scene I did actually like, um, and that's when the woman goes to the I don't know. So it's like a, a an accountant's office, mm. and, and they're just full of like these sort of misogynistic sort of blokes cracking horrible yeah. jokes to the to the poor secretary. That scene I quite liked, you know, that sort of comeuppance. I, I, I enjoyed that for what it was. Yeah, sort of bit of for what it was, it was all right. But yeah, that was all right. <laughs> it was yeah, terribly edited. It was, yeah, it was, it was very badly edited. Um, but yeah, so Rich, I mean, I, I imagine you'd seen this before. Well, I saw it when it came up on YouTube because. I don't. I recognised it. The funny thing was, I didn't recognise it as the film that I thought it was because I thought of. I thought it was the original under a different title. I didn't realise oh, okay. it was a sequel, mm. so I, I recognised it and I was like, because <gasps> I re- remember seeing in Impact magazine in like the nineteen nineties mm. where they used to have like the the sales art or whatever for various mm. movies that sometimes they got made, sometimes they didn't, and they had one called Total Force with which had um, Timothy Bottoms. Uh, Frank Stallone and Oleg Taktarov uh, and and stuff, and I'd always wanted to see it, and so then this turned up, and I said I recognised Timothy Bottoms and 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 Taktarov, and I'm just like, <gasps> it, it, I can finally see it, and then I realised, hang on a minute, no, it's not. It's kind of like when um like uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. So when I was a kid, I watched National Lampoon's European Vacation. And then I I I was when I watched it again on the telly and it said vacation and I thought oh they've they've missed the word out or whatever and I realised there's another one <laughs> it like, there's two. and it was like so I was like oh my god there's two of these things so I, I um I watched this one and then tried to find the I think I, I looked up to see whether the original was available anywhere and there was a bootleg copy of um of Total Force on YouTube as well so I watched mm. that one first and then watched this one. And, and maybe, okay, maybe it's, you know, the context that I saw them in. But I was really hoping you guys would enjoy this because I had a great time with this one. But the, the original is something. It's it's so amateurish and almost experimental. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. But it has great. It's got Richard Lynch in it. It's got, like, um, uh, quite a few, a few other people. Barry Lynch, Richard Lynch's brother, who we saw in Ticks, is in there as well. And... Um, Sal Landy, who, who was in quite a lot of stuff, 
back in the day. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's kind of indescribable, really. It's a lot of stock footage and a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. And there's, um, there's a part where uh, one of the, so Callista Carradine, who's also in mm. Absolute Force, uh, who's David Carradine's daughter, she yeah. is she's she's one her and Oleg Taktarov are, are are in that movie and um she she basically has an action she has a fight scene at the climax of the film which turns into a sex scene which uh, I don't think I've ever seen before which is really weird and it's not like a it's not I mean I've seen uh like hired to kill where a, a scene sort of turns from a from from a from a, from a, a not to a rape scene, but it could it could it could mm. easily have been a rape scene kind mm. of thing. It's like really awkward the way they try to do this transition. It's like no. whereas this one, it's like no, that it's nothing. That it's just like they both kind of. It's like a Famke Janssen in um, Golden Eye kind Golden of Eye. thing. Right. Got yeah. So it's like so, like so, so like they're, they're fighting each other, and it's like oh, okay, then. <laughs> that's, 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 it's really weird, but um, the but the and then I see watched this film, which was I made like. I think it was pretty much back to back because this one came out like a year later, apparently. And this is like really professional by comparison. <laughs> I can, oh, like, okay, you, look, mm. stop, stop trying to sell it to us, Rich. All right, <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. But, but no, <laughs> we, we need, we I, need, no, no, the, the original. I mean, we, we obviously we, we're gonna have to sort of watch it at some point. Oh yeah, but, you should see. I'm sure the trailer would sum it up. But I tell you what's interesting about. Mm. I mean, before I get into any more about it, but. I'm watching Absolute Force and I'm completely confused about the characters because we get the actors returning. Yeah, They're playing the same characters, but they're not picking up from the last movie. Mm. It's like a reboot. Mm. Literally. Yeah. I mean, he team in this movie, it's the whole, he gets framed. He goes to find two people he trusts, mm. his old, you know, colleagues played by Oleg Taktarov and Callista Carradine. They were on the other side. All oh, right. <laughs> they weren't on the total force. He was fighting against them. Now, at the end of the first movie, they kind of do this um, uh, a bit like in uh, Escape from Mogadishu. They kind of do this alliance, you know, temporary yeah. alliance between yeah. the, the bad guys and the good guys against the greater threat. Mm -hmm. But in in but not, I don't even know if Callista Carradine's character survived the first film because they didn't really show her at the end. And she's definitely a bad guy. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, they kind of make their character. I mean, Oleg Taktarov doesn't really do anything. In this one, they kind of goes to see him and he's doing these sort of fight matches and stuff yeah. uh, to establish it. But it's like they're old friends. And I'm like, they've got the same names and everything, but it doesn't fit. Even I went back and watched it a second time. The guy who betrays them at the start of this one yeah. was also... Um, a bad guy in the last one so he would if if it was a if it was a continuation or anything he mm. would know that that was a bad guy you know it's like it, it doesn't make any sense it's wow. completely nonsensical so, so I suppose yeah, it's quite yeah. apt really yeah but so for the context of this film don't watch the the original basically. i think it's quite it's quite a fascinating watch i mean i don't I, I, I kind of enjoyed the opening bit you know the opening um attack on the sort of chemical weapons place and mm. You know the guy betraying them and that. I thought that was quite good. I mean, it was obvious he was going to betray them as soon as he handed out those transponders, saying, "Oh, I calibrated them myself. No need to check them." <laughs> Which I thought was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> They're not a bomb, really. It's like fine. 
but um, yeah, that that he you know that whole setup was was pretty decently done, I guess. But, but what yeah, do you think about the, there's some there's just I mean, I think some of it is got is quite of the time, and you know it's got the whole it's got basically every cliche in the book. It's even got uh, the the sort of white supremacist bad guys, which the, yeah, the, I, I was going yeah, I was going to get onto the syndicate, yeah, the whole militia. Yeah. I mean, it is that sort of Trump mentality militia kind of thing. You know, they would be anti-vaxxers, you know, today. Um, obviously, sort of men's right activists as well, because there isn't a single woman amongst them. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's quite telling, you know, I mean, really, for a DTV action movie, not to have a bad guy, badass female on your team, you know, that that is a bad mark for sure. You know, how, how can you not have, you know, a badass female on your team of bad guys it just doesn't work yeah well no. sometimes they do, they don't put one in the in the baddies they only put one in the so i think in like stuff like assault on devil's island you know got Shan, shannon tweed is basically the callista carradine of that movie mm. and i don't think there's i don't think she gets to fight anyone apart you know because it's all i think that's pretty much a men only villains kind of show um if i recall correctly anyway but the the um yeah, I think I, I do think, you know, the action in this one is a lot better, and I think there's some quite. I mean, there's not really a lot of action in the first one, to be honest. It's all really chaotic. Um, as I say, it's quite experimental, and and I think the um, I liked uh, Oleg Taktarov gets a couple of they they give him two filler fight scenes at the start, <sighs> which yeah. which I don't mind. I don't mind that, and he fucking gets to fight Neil Allen Stewart, who I always enjoy seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the whole putting the team together stuff that he does. Callista Carradine, I think, she's more she's more of a singer actually, looking into her career, and she's she's still quite active. But um, she was a she was a martial artist as well, and she, I think I don't think she's doubled a huge amount in her scenes. She I thought she was pretty good both in this and and in the first one, um, although she has a bit more to do. There's these weird sort of comical moments, and they did this in the first one as well. Like there's the whole the TV broadcast where they where they start talking about oh um, yeah uh, um, who because he's on the run and they're like oh he's 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 got issues and he's <laughs> he's he's got he's trying to over he's trying to compensate and all this sort of stuff and, and then he just gets upset and he shoots the television <laughs> which I thought was really random but uh, quite amusing because they put it up on the screen they say right we're looking for a man. <laughs> Oh, did you see with that a, bit? With a very small female. Oh, yes, that whole bit yeah. was hilarious. You go, you go, there you have it, the official, the official police um, identity, whatever. But did you see that when they first show the, um, you know, the footage that they doctored together? Because we're interrupting yeah. this broadcast to show you this amateur footage, you know, shot by a passing motorist, and then on the screen it says amateur, but it's spelled yes. a, <laughs> which is M A T U R E. Yeah. The word amateur, amateur is amateur. misspelled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just thought that was hilarious. Um, um, the the funny thing was there, there's also a couple of, and again, I think it's probably picked up from other films along the way, but this is pre-Matrix. Yeah. And there's a couple mm-hmm. of scenes in there that just looks, they're just like proto-Matrix. See, you know, the, like the, 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 the scene where Keanu goes into the lobby, you know, the iconic scene, and start yeah. shooting up the place. Well, there's a there's kind of a version of that, which we also saw in the sweep. We saw one that was a bit like that in the sweeper as well with um, C. Thomas Howe. But 
there's a scene. Um, Timothy Bottoms is the hero. Timothy, I look like George W. Bush um, mm-hmm. Bottoms. Uh, and he, he comes in because he goes to, they, they could say, oh, there's this social club where the, um, where the terrorists hang out. And so he goes, and he basically looks like an art gallery. And he doesn't warn any, he, he literally performs a terrorist act. <laughs> yeah. He, he walks in there and just starts firing indiscriminately. <laughs> like, and then he, and then after the fact, he goes, oh, you two, you better run. <laughs> mm. and, uh, and then she, does, and because they each get their own scene, each one of the three. So he gets to shoot up that place. Oleg gets to go and have a, have shoot up another place, and um, Callista, she goes to like you say the, um, the the front business kind of thing, which I was really confused by. Um, but it, I was thinking again, why are you just? I mean, surely just going in there and indiscriminately shooting like it's like the Terminator scene, you know, where where he goes yeah, into yeah. the police station, and there's there are innocent. It's the same with the social club scene. So like there are innocent people there. You know, there's that there's that young woman. Who she ends up going? Oh, you stick around because you're you're pretty mm-hmm. cute. And then and then mm. who who then grabs a gun herself <laughs> and yeah. does and just completely randomly, um, you know, starts shooting herself. But um, not, um, it's uh, I do think that this stuff is entertaining. I think it I think it works for me. I think it's just a, a it's just got all that stuff from you know eighties nineties action. It's fun. Some of the line deliveries are unintentionally hilarious. Timothy Bottoms, uh, in particular, uh, you know, like we're gonna get them, we're gonna get them all, kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. He's like really hamming it out. Uh, um, the 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 uh, the syndicate, it, that's quite funny. Uh, you know, with, with that, they're, they're quite good because like Red Scorpion two did it as well. I think they all this again. This whole white supremacist sort of. Mm theme that they were running now interestingly that wasn't supposed to be how it was i um the original sales art the original synopsis for the film is related to the first one and it starts to and it talks about um a satellite weapon and they're, they're on a mission to retrieve it because it's in the hands of an evil senator and stuff well there's no sign of that here yeah <laughs> in, this, in this case yeah. it's been sold I, the, I think the synopsis on it on imdb is similar to that oh right um, yeah, so because in the first one, uh, the the weapon is called the neuralizer, and it basically it's like a rage laser thing. It, you know, you get you get impact, you you get they they shoot you with this laser, and you basically turn into kind of a rabid zombie type thing. Uh, you know, you just go, you just go, oh, and you just start killing people, and stuff, which is right. Which I'm again, mm. we've seen it in other other films and stuff, but it, it's quite crazy. Um, and in this one, it's called the Neurotron, but they never really explain what the Neurotron bomb is in a very satisfactory fashion. But basically, they're trying to, they're trying to, the bad guys are trying to assemble this Neurotron bomb for some reason to, mm. to, to blow up America or whatever, because they're true patriots. So blowing up America, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, of course. But, but uh, yeah, so I'm, so I'm a bit disappointed that, because, um, yeah, um, I'm a bit disappointed you guys didn't enjoy it as much as I did. But as I say, maybe it's the context that you know that I'd watched this, the first film and it was just so confusing mm. and nonsensical, and I was just dumb. You know, I was just what they've actually made a coherent. You know, I know you've got issues with it, but the, basically made a coherent action movie with you know 
that follows a story from beginning to end and establishes the characters well rather than just being a total mess and I was just like was the first one a trial run and then they kind of went you know what we've got to just we're just going to have another go at it <laughs> thing. but uh, yeah I had, I had a lot of, I've watched this one twice now and I'd watch it again no yeah, I will well, never, never, no. ever watch this again. There are so many better films in this sort of bracket um, to this. Uh, Shakedown, for example, uh, I, I thought was a much better film. I hope I'm talking about the right film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With it. Brian Katkin's Shakedown. Yeah, yeah and um, Wolf Larson. That's it. And Elenia. Eric Eleniak. Yes, that's it. Yes, um, that is a much better film and, and available on um, Prime as well, or at least it was. So, yeah. Um, if you feel like checking this out, as uh, Steve pointed out earlier on, there are a lot of advert breaks. So, you know, take that with a pinch of salt for sure. Um, if you get the chance to check out the, the first one just for context or contrast, do that. <laughs> I think even but, watching the trailer might give you a taste. Of, yeah, exactly. So we'll put the we'll put the trailer for the original in the footnotes as well as it's the, completely uh, unrelated. It's like a it's like a stand. This is a standalone film. Mm. You wouldn't have you don't have to have seen the original. I think it completely ignores the original. Basically, it's, yeah, uh, it's, the it's same kind of one of the names. early an early example of a re, you know like Ghost Rider when they made mm. Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance and they said we're actually not going to follow on from the the first film we're going to still have <laughs> Nicolas Cage, yeah, but he's going to be playing a different version of the same character. Weird, very strange. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we do not we do not score the um, throwbacks, but we kind of recommend them. We, <laughs> Maybe not I recommend it. You don't. Yes. Recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're looking, I mean, this, I think, if yeah. you're looking for an obscure action movie to you know to have on a Friday night or something, yeah, I think not? this could. Be, I think why not have yeah, this watch something else. Fun? <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> it's it's certainly got drunken commentary factor, kind of like um, Deep Freeze last week. So anyway, um, that is the end of this week's show. So thank you to Rich and Steve for joining me again and talking about these interesting films, uh, especially Escape from Mogadishu. That was awesome. No problems. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, um, don't forget to check out our Twitter and Facebook pages at the DTV Digest. Also, the Short Shots, our sister show, and its own um, its own Twitter page where Rich puts a link every evening for a new short. So, thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time. <laughs>